finding Frank too. And, and, and that's what we're going to get into a little bit more today. In John chapter 1, I'll give you the foundation of this thought process. Um, this approach is uh, some example of some things that took place. We want to begin reading in verse 40. John 1 and verse 40. Uh, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida and uh, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so we see a pattern here that Andrew found Peter and Peter found Philip and Philip found Nathaniel. And so in one sense, Andrew found Nathaniel, but he did it by finding Peter who found Philip who found Nathaniel, Right? And that process has been going on for thousands of years. This is how the world is filled now. I don't mean we've, I don't mean we've got anywhere close to everybody, but it's filled with believers. All over the world there are, are, are saved people, followers of Christ, those who are, have been born again. How did they get saved? Well, because I found a person, found someone else. Someone was found and then they found another individual. That's been happening, happening, happening. We certainly want it, don't want it to stop here. We don't want it to stop here and now with us. Uh, and, and someone might ask, well, why is that even a, a, a thought? I mean, why in the world would it stop with us? Well, uh, why in the world would we all of a sudden, after thousands of years of human history, be uh, all of a sudden, we all have a device and we take pictures of ourselves. I mean, who could have imagined that? Even if you go back a couple decades, people never would have imagined what's happening in our day and our time. That, 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 that not only the technology, that, but that we would all be taking pictures of ourselves and then, not only that, sharing them with the world. <laughs> We not only want to see ourselves on our own device, we want everyone else to see us too, especially if we took a good one, right? So what does that have to do with this? Listen, it's prophesied in Scripture. In the last days, men would become lovers of themselves. What happens if we are all lovers of ourselves? Then we don't give a rip about Frank, we, we're not concerned with someone else being found. I'm found. I'm good. And by the way, let me document this moment. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and share it with the world. So it, there is a real possibility that our day, we could slow down or stop God's system of getting the word out, getting the message to the next person. Amen. Now, if you're new with our series, let me uh, update you on Frank. Frank is a is a, an acronym for friends, relatives, associates, neighbors, and kids. All right, not talking about if your name is literally Frank, thank God for you. Uh, uh, but that's who we're talking about. People we come into contact with, people we love and care about, people we know, people we rub shoulders with, uh, 
frank needs found. But if we are all consumed with our own life, we don't really give a rip about him. You know, so this kind of message that we are teaching here today uh, is not for the selfish person, the self-centered individual, the person that is always thinking constantly about me. It's all about me. And they're constantly, you know, down on everyone else because they don't, you know, no one loves me and no one talks to me and no one thinks about me and, and, and they're doing the exact same thing. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So this kind of message is really not geared towards that person. It's geared towards this house. Because I know that in this place, we have a lot of people who are others-minded. They really do have the love of God working in them. They really do pray for other people and not just for their own needs. They really are seeking to help. And, uh, and so this house, this message works really well. And so we can stir ourselves back up and say, Lord... Who am I supposed to be inviting, talking to? Who am I supposed to be contacting, praying for? And, uh, and this, this is the heart of God that we would find people. You know, I was reading about a situation that happened with Jesus one day. Uh, he was constantly being questioned by the experts of his day, the religious leaders. Um, one day, uh, someone was asking him about what the greatest commandment is, and, and he gave that answer. And then uh, someone that is referred to as a lawyer uh, gave him an answer back and basically kind of repeated what Jesus said. And he said, yeah, loving the Lord your God is more than all of the sacrifices and all of the commandments. And, and, and Jesus looked back at this guy, and he said something um, powerful to him, but even revealing to me. Uh, it's in Mark 12, 34. Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And, and that not only says something good about that individual, individual, but it reveals a truth that someone could be uh, not in the kingdom, but they can be closer to it than others or closer to it than they used to be. You see, there's, there's a proximity there. And many of us, if we look at our own lives, those who are here that are saved, you've been born again, you might be able to identify, I used to be far from the Lord. And then I was closer to Him. Then I was looking in the right direction, at least. I was seeking after. And then one day, I stepped into the kingdom. One day, I made Jesus my Lord, and my life was changed. But people all over the world, all the Franks that we know, they're in various stages. I believe the Lord is endeavoring to connect us with people who are close. They're just right there. They just need that little push. They just need that little encouragement, that little help, or that little direction to know what to do to have a genuine relationship with the Father. And, and, and so people are going through that right at the same time. I know in our lives, uh, as, as, as believers, um, many times we can be closer or further away to an answer that we're seeking or to a victory that we want to experience, an overcoming situation. Um, many times, though, right at the end is where people quit and they're discouraged. Man, I've been, I've been standing, I've been believing, I've been seeking after this answer, and I haven't seen anything take place. Well, here's the thing. You might be closer than you realize. You might be closer to the kingdom in that regard than you used to be, right? And if the, if the temperatures get going up, if the pressure is on, let that be, if nothing else, a revelation that the enemy knows how close you are, 
trying to get you to give up right before you get to the solution, right before you get the victory and get the answer in your life. Yeah? And so we can be further away or closer to some of the things we want, some of the things we desire. But, but I want to share with you in this very non-self-centered mes- uh, message today about praying for lost people. All right? You know all through Scripture we're taught, we're taught about prayer, not only told to do it, but then told how to do it. One reason is because not all prayer works. Not everything someone asks is heard. Not everything produces a desired result. That's why if we follow the Scriptures and follow God's direction and His plan and, and do it His way, then we can absolutely expect full results. But when it comes to praying for lost people, um, there absolutely is a right way and a wrong way to do that. An individual can be praying or, you know, I say praying with quotes because I don't know, maybe it's not really prayer, but in their mind it is. Praying for family members or friends or you know, Uncle Ben or Aunt Jemima or, or whoever. Uh, they're praying for people in their life. But the way that they pray is not working. The way that they're asking God to move in someone's life, it's not producing the desired results. And so I like to analyze, what are we saying? What are we doing? And so I've been able to identify five components, five components to a prayer for Frank, for lost people to come into the kingdom. And I believe as we do this, we're going to see some stuff going on. I tell you what, God is going to have His way. He loves people. He is dealing with them. He's working with them. And one of the ways that, that the Lord gets the harvest that He paid for when, when He died on the cross and was raised from the dead is He shows us how to act, how to pray, how to say, how to invite, how to, how to talk to individuals. So God working in us right here, right now, is going to result in the kingdom of God getting bigger. No doubt. No doubt. All right? And so I, I want to share the, these components with you um, about how to pray for the lost. Number one is this. We start off by giving thanks to God for His love for them. All right, now think about that. I don't want to go too fast. We give thanks, it's very important, to God for His love for them. Now, why do I say it that way? And what would that be in contrast to? It would be in contrast to a prayer that goes more like this. You know, Father, save so-and-so. Come on, they need to be saved. Father, save them. That's not a prayer that he can answer. It might be sincere and heartfelt, but God can't save him. He already did. What is he going to do? Send his only begotten son or something <laughs> to come and take on human flesh and live a perfect life and become sin for all of mankind? That'd be a great solution. But he did that, right? So that mentality or that approach kind of... Um, it kind of leaves the impression that I want people saved, but I'm not sure he does. That I want people to know him, but if only God wanted them to know him as much as I want them to know him. Or, or I might say it this way, Father, if only you love them as much as I do. <laughs> Which we would never say that, but maybe that kind of attitude is there when we're, when we're pretending or praying as if the reason they are not saved is because you haven't done your part. 
That's not true. So what we do is we, first of all, before we do anything else, we align our thoughts, our beliefs, our heart, our motive with His. He loves them more than we do. He wants them saved more than we want them saved. He, he gave His very best and He gave His very all. And let's start off by acknowledging that. Amen. And so we start off saying, you know, for Uncle Ben, Father, I thank you that you love them more than I, you love him more than I do. You desire he be in your family more than I do. Jesus shed his precious blood so he might be saved. Thank you that you have done everything to save him. I'm going to think like you do on this. Yeah? Thank you for your love and what you've done. See, we pray from a position of strength, not a, from a position of begging or just, you know, again, acting like, this is your fault. <laughs> Why don't you do this? Why don't you move? No, no. Father, thank you that you have. And you do love. You have moved. You do love. And you want this person in your family. Okay? Everybody good? Everybody on track? Everybody set with the, the, the mentality that God has towards people? We're not better than. We don't love them more. We don't want them more. No, we're coming into an agreement with Him. All right? Now we can pray from a position of effectiveness. All right. The, the second component in this prayer, technically it's not prayer. All right. You'll understand when I say when I tell you. Technically it's not prayer, but it's in the in the scope of our prayer time because it's about taking authority. All right. Number two is we are going to remove the blinders from their eyes. We are going to remove the blinders from their eyes. This is um, based on 2 Corinthians, if you can, look at this with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians is uh, right there after 1 Corinthians, in case you didn't know where it was. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, notice with me verse 3. Verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Think about that word veil. Something's in front of their eyes. A veil, you can't see through it. Okay? Or, or you might think of like a bride. Sometimes a bride will have a veil so you can't see clearly. You can't see completely. It is veiled to those who are perishing. Who has a veil? Unsaved people. Verse 4, whose minds, so that's the veil. It's not a physical veil. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Now, who's the God of this age? That would be Satan, all right? Notice little G's, not talking about God, not the Father. The God, our God is not blinding people. He's not keeping the truth away. But Satan is at work night and day to deceive, to blind, to keep the truth away. The God of this age has blinded people. The earth has many, many millions and millions of people who are spiritually blind. Look, let's read the rest. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And so, this spiritual blindness is a very real condition. You know, I mean, to some of us, it makes absolutely zero sense why anyone would reject the Lord. I mean, with what I know, and with what I've seen, and what I've experienced of Him, I want to say, seriously, like you don't want to be saved? Like, hello, McFly. <laughs> right? 
I mean, seriously, I don't mean to be rude, but that's got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why, why would I think that way? It's because of what I see and because of what I know and because of what I understand. And be, you understand, you know what I'm coming from? If a person doesn't see that, they're not dumb for making that choice. They just don't know it's there. There's a whole bunch of people in our world. If you're a believer here today, they think you're crazy. (laughs) They think you're nuts. The fact that you would give your time and your energy and your tithe (laughs) and and you would lift up your hands and sing into the air and close your eyes with great expression and emotion, just love on God, they think you are whacked. Why, Why do they think that? Because they don't see what you see. They don't know what you know. And something that is, many of us know this, it's reality. He's there. He's present. But it's not totally easy for me to explain that to you. How do you explain certain things to a blind person if someone were physically blind? Some things that we see and take for granted, it's kind of a challenge to explain it to them. Spiritual blindness works the same way. What I need to do is I can't fully explain it But if I can get the blinders off of your eyes, you'll go, whoa, now I understand. Now I see. Now I understand the reality of this existence. And that's what we want for people. But Satan literally has been and does work constantly to put a veil over people's minds so they cannot believe. I think with so many individuals, it's not that they don't want what we have is they don't know what we have. It's not that they, they don't want it. They just, they just don't see what we see. But here's the good news, right? In the New Testament, the New Covenant, since Jesus was raised from the dead, He gave us the Great Commission. We have authority over the devil. <laughs> He's in trouble. Yeah. I know not everybody knows that, and I don't have time to teach it all now. I have a series called Authorized. Go to the website and listen to it if you're not sure. Sure, I've never heard something so crazy like that. (laughs) But believers have been authorized to boot the devil out. Literally. I know some have been taught, well, it's all up to God and he's controlling everything. And uh, no, 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 no. He is the head. We are the body. And the head doesn't go anywhere without the body. And God wants things to happen, but they don't happen until his body says, I'm going to enforce the rules. I'm going to enforce Christ's victory. I'm going to use that name. And someone could say, Father, I just pray that you remove the blinders from their eyes. doesn't work that way because he didn't put them there. He is not the remover of blinders from people's eyes. You are, and I am. Why are we responsible? Because he gave us his name. And so when we see that the God of this age has come to blind the minds of those who are perishing, that's where we step in and say, absolutely not. And you call that person by name and you speak the word of the Lord and say, Satan, take your hands off them. I command those blinders to be removed from their eyes. I break the power of that deception in their thinking, in their believing, in their, their mentality. And I command it to be so in Jesus' name. Oh, now that person's in trouble. What do I mean they're in trouble? Because their eyes. Oh, what is that? Wow. And they see things in a whole new way. Now when the gospel gets preached to them, now when someone says Jesus loves you, or they used to blow it off and you're a religious quack or something, you hear Jesus loves you and they go, oh, wow. It means something. It's all of a sudden real. 
it all of a sudden carries weight. That's what I like. Amen. But this is a real component. This is right here in the Bible, right here in the New Testament. This is a real component to winning people to the Lord. All right, number three. Ready for third, third part? Is now we're praying again. We're asking the Father. And this is, we are asking Him to send laborers across their path. Send laborers. Okay, now this comes from Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. Uh, it reads this way. Then He said to them, now He is Jesus, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, in other words, because of that real problem, big harvest, hardly anyone to bring it in. Huge harvest, lots of people need to come, lots of people are ready to be saved, but hardly, hardly anyone's going out there and getting them. He said, therefore, pray. <gasps> pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Now, watch. Some might think, well, if the Father wants to send people out, why doesn't He just do it? See, this is insight into how the kingdom of God works. Jesus didn't tell us to pray about something that God's going to do whether we pray or not. In other words, He's not going to send people out unless we ask Him to send people out. It seems that God can do nothing that He wants to do except for His body, His people, ask Him to do it. Yeah. And so, he, he, here's part of the plan. I not only need to have my thinking right, thank you that you love Him. I not only need to exercise authority over the devil and him blinding their minds, I then need those individuals to have the truth shared with them. That's called reaping the harvest. Someone to go out there and tell them. And the Lord will work with, He will deal with individuals. I've been dealt with. The Lord dealt with me. And man, I know it. And you, if you were to ask me to not preach, I can't not preach. I can't, I can't get my dog to stop barking. <laughs> you know, like when strangers come around or other dogs. Uh, uh, and you can't get me to stop preaching. Why? Because there's a preacher in me. In other words, God dealt with me. He sent me. I am a laborer in His harvest field. And when God sends a person, oh, it's powerful. So we, we just simply ask. And you can name individuals. Uncle Ben. Father, send someone, send a person, send a believer, send a, someone to represent you, a laborer into Ben's life. Send someone into his life, someone that will share your love and your kindness towards so they can know you. You know what he'll do? He'll send someone. He told us to ask. You think he doesn't want to respond in the positive? He will send someone when we ask him. All right, number four, number four is we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would bring back to their remembrance all the words, all the scriptures, the things that they have heard before. In other words, the Spirit's, the Holy Spirit's part of this equation is He gets in people's business, okay? Blinders down, gospel shared, and the Spirit will take that word and go, uh, Jesus said that He convicts the world of sin. Yeah? And John 14, 26, it says He will bring to our remembrance things that He has said to us. So they hear, and then they lay their head on their pillow at night, and they go to bed, and 
And they can't help but think about the words that have been spoken to them. They can't stop. These thoughts keep coming. They keep coming. And they wake up. And there the Lord is. <laughs> and they get in their car. And he says, hey. <laughs> and before, when all they were thinking about was themselves and their job and their activities and their fun and their entertainment. And they're just doing a very natural, worldly life. And, and now they can't go anywhere or do anything without the Lord saying, hey. And scriptures are coming back to them. Things they've heard. Things they've been told. Think someone's been invited to the church and they can't get it out of their mind. See, this goes beyond our human ability. I can't get in someone's business to that degree, but the Holy Spirit can. And so I'm going to ask, Lord, get them. Get them. He wants you to ask him to do it. Yeah, he wants you to, to activate these, these things in people's lives. So pray that he would do that. And then number five, the last one is this. And this might seem a little bit different to some, but I'll explain. Number five is repeat this prayer until you see the right results. And here's the reason I, I say it that way. Um, because you've heard me teach in other times when we teach the prayer of faith, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, um, there are many things we pray for ourselves that we don't ask more than once. Asking the second time reveals you didn't believe it the first time. Or you believe that God didn't hear you the first time. There are many things there are a one and done prayer. The reason this is not one of those types of prayer, you see how they're different types, is because we're dealing with the will of another individual. We're not talking about this is between God and me. This is between my prayer to God and that person, and He will not force anyone to be saved. He won't force them to respond in the positive. He'll deal with them, but then they make a choice. Some of you, right, you had to be dealt with a few times. You know, one, one, one person in one of the earlier services that, that received the Lord today, an older lady, she said, uh, she says, as I prayed, right before I prayed with her, she said, I've been wanting to do this for two or three years. And I thought, wow, there it is. She's been real close to the kingdom. And today she stepped in. Yeah. And so um, when it comes to repeating the prayer, it just means this. I'm praying. I'm removing the blinders. I'm praying laborers. Holy Spirit, do your, do your deal. Uh, and then it's possible that that person says no. They blow it off. They see they, they're busy again. They, they don't respond in the affirmative. What am I going to do then? Give up? No. I'm going to say, huh, stinks to be you. I'm not going to tell them that. But, well, maybe I would. Stinks to be you because I'm not going to stop praying for you. What? You didn't get saved? Too bad. Here we go again. Start over. Devil, no, you don't. You can't have them. Blinders come down in Jesus' name. Then we set up the next divine appointment. We set up the next connection where they're just cruising through life thinking everything's fine. And they make a right turn and they thought it was, you know, just circumstance, happenstance. And, and all of a sudden they run into another one of those crazy, wacky Christians. <laughs> hey, Jesus loves you. <laughs> hey, I'm going to church over here on Easter. Uh, would you like to come? And they're getting these invitations. Hey, I've got three of these now. <laughs> Why do these people keep giving me these invitations to that church? I wonder. Maybe someone's been praying for you. Maybe this is not coincidence and God is trying to get in your business. Now they say, so what if it takes like a while? What if it takes weeks? So what if it takes months? So what if it takes years? We're, we're talking about eternity here. 
people are valuable to Him. And if they're valuable to us, we say, I'm going to pray until. I'm going to believe until. I'm going to stand until. I'm going to keep the pressure on in the sense of making it easy, removing obstacles, removing barriers so a person can be confronted with say yes or no, accept or reject, yes or no. And then hopefully, I think, and there are many, many people, it's like, man, I see that. I didn't see that before. Man, this is real. God is dealing with me. Yes, I want to, re- I want to receive. Then they're found. Amen. And they turn into finders. Right. Amen. This is something we can do, something, something we ought to do. But, but notice this. Let me, let me finish with this thought. We are not only praying people to this point. When Jesus told the disciples, pray the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into His harvest, soon as he got done with that, that sentence, the very next word out of his mouth was, it's, it's Luke 10, 3, was go. He said, go your way. In other words, y- you know what I am? I am sometimes the answer to someone else's prayer. They prayed for their child or their uncle or their aunt or their cousin or their parent. They prayed, and then I showed up. And you know what you are? Sometimes you're the answer to someone else's prayer too. You're praying for a person and God is sending one of the rest of us. And they're praying for a person and God is sending you and me. We're all a part of this equation. And if you have people in your life that you want to be saved, it's probably a good seed time and harvest, a good sowing and reaping if you'll win other people's family to the Lord and make yourself available. Now again, sometimes this is not heavy duty, you know, heavy-duty preach, it's, hey, here's an invitation. Hey, why don't you come check this out? We're not looking at the method always. We're just end result. End result. How can I get them in? How can I get the gospel into their, into their, into their heart so they can believe and be saved? Amen. Amen. Romans 10, 14, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. And so sometimes when we're saying, Lord, revival, Lord, revival, Lord, save, Lord, heal, all right, fine with the, the heart and desire to, to handle things in prayer, but the end result, in, end result is always going to be contingent upon someone actually hearing the Word. It has to be spoken. I can't just pray the city into the kingdom. I have to tell them to. And those things working together created a dynamic explosion for the kingdom of God, and many are saved. So this process needs to work over and over, over and over, over and over for the rest of our lives. We tell, or we pray, we tell, you know, we invite, and we do it again. Almost like the shampoo. You know the shampoo bottle? I don't know if anyone follows those directions on the back. Does anybody read... I guess, I guess I read it. Why do you need instructions for shampoo? <laughs> read it. <laughs> you know how it says, here's what I'm getting at. Wash, rinse, repeat. No, I'm not repeating. But <laughs> wash, rinse, repeat. Pray, share, speak, invite. And we, we're just going to keep doing this again and again and again. Until the whole world's won. Or Jesus comes back. And that's the process. That's how we live. One, unselfish lives. We're here for others 
so they might know him. There was a guy years ago I, I, I did this with. In fact, he was, he was saved at this point. He was already a believer, but he wasn't really in church. He was kind of, you know, show up every now and then. And I thought, ah, seriously, dude, you don't see what I see. You don't know what I know. Otherwise, you'd act like I act. You'd love God as much as I do, and you'd worship Him, and you'd be excited about this, and you'd be on fire. And so I was, uh, he wasn't that way, and he was kind of on the outskirts, on the fringe, and I just decided, I'm just going to bug him. And so I'd call him, hey, what's going on? You coming to church? <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes he, because I'd call him, he'd respond, and if I didn't call him, then he wouldn't respond. And so I just decided, I'm going to stay with him for a while. And I kept bugging him, and I kept bugging him, and I kept bugging him, and I kept bugging him. And I just keep calling, hey, come to church, hey, come to church, hey, come to church, get involved, do this. And eventually it stuck. And he came and was faithful and was committed. And he ended up be turning into a preacher. God called him into the ministry. And I didn't know that that would happen. I didn't know that. that I was just thinking, you don't know God like I do, so I'm going to bug you until you do. <laughs> Now, we need to use wisdom. We need to use the right methods with people. But are we that committed to other people? Are we that committed to others where we'll stay with them? Well, I, every time I invite this person, they ignore me and blow me off. All right, wait a little bit and then invite them again. Hey, still here. And sometimes the love of God in us will compel us to go the extra mile, will compel us to, to pray for, to talk to people, even when they're resistant. And we're not, we refuse to be offended by it, because truly they're not rejecting us, we're rejecting the Lord, but, but maybe we were there too. And we say, I'm going to just stay with them, stay with them, stay with them. Some people are totally worth bugging, yeah? Because maybe one day... You find that person, and then that person finds another person, and that person finds another person. And then by you finding that person, you ended up finding a thousand people. Because that's how the kingdom of God works. I don't want to give up on that first one. Amen. Let's do this. Let's do what we just did. I want to take a minute so we can pray for Frank. So here's what I'd like you to do. Would you all do this today? Would you grab someone in your mind, someone you know? If, you ha if you've already been praying for someone, you've probably got them in mind, all right? If not, a, f a friend, a relative, a neighbor, a co-worker, someone, the post, postal worker, uh, uh, someone at the, at the restaurant, someone at the mall, someone at the dry cleaners, so, uh, someone that you know. You can call them by name. Someone you would like to see come into a relationship with God. And we're going to pray for them. All right? So we're going to pray for a whole bunch of people here all at once in a very short period of time. Everyone get your, get your person. Get them in your mind. Now I want to lead you in a prayer. And you just repeat after me. And other than the part where I pause and you say their name, we'll all say the same things. Okay? Praise God.